ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And that's right, everybody. Welcome back once again to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, alongside my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And Dan, how you doing today, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Talk about a roller coaster emotions the last couple of days. I mean, it pretty much summed up being a Mets fan. I mean, it's nice we won the game, but... An easy win would be nice. A little bit easier on me. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that, man. As uh, you know, this week we're we're pretty much going to have a baseball heavy show for the first time in a while. As the hockey and basketball, uh, the local portions of that have uh, filtered out um, at this point. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit of what's going on in those sports a little bit later. But yeah, let's kick it off. With the Mets and the Yankees, man, obviously our New York Metropolitans getting back into it right now. Uh, you know, they they unfortunately lost last night to the Chicago Cubs. They'll be playing again tonight at 740, hoping to get back on the right track. But that doesn't wipe out the five-game winning streak and finally a, a real sign of life that we've seen from this club for the first time in quite a few weeks. Dan, you were there the other night for uh, bobblehead night with the uh, Francisco Lindor giveaway, you know, what were your feelings when you were in the ballpark that night? Well, well, for one thing, correction, that was the day portion of the day night doubleheader, separate admission doubleheader. I, I, I would, of course, the second game was, it was a separate admission in the second game. Obviously I was at home, but the first game I was at the ballpark and man, that was one heck of a, a game. Like, the ballpark, I think there was at least 30,000 there. We were fresh off of, a, of the, that that winning streak. Like, we had just, uh, of course, obviously, we had took two out of three from Tampa. And that was that was a, an emotional series. Like, holy shit. Like, that felt like... I, 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 I those, those games, I could not com- be calm until the last out. Like, until the end of the game. And the same thing with the... The game on Friday against the guard, against against the Indians, we we just really uh, that game was like down to the down to the wire again. Like I could not calm down until the end of the game. game this doubleheader game one was like that. Like it felt like an easy win. Like and then all of a sudden we coughed up that lead in the eighth inning. I was like, you have no idea how I I cannot how upset I was. During that, what I was, what I was yelling, like I was like, I was upset, and then, and then all of a sudden, the ninth inning, I'm at the the bottom of the, I'm at the bottom of the eighth, and then Mars came with that home run, like I exploded with excitement, with with, with enthusiasm, going nuts, like I yelled out home run in Spanish. <laughs> I don't know why, just something, just me, just felt, I guess he's, he's 
since Marte primarily speaks Spanish. Well, did you I do would... what the old the old John Sterling line where you said "Adios, Senor Pelota"? No, no, nothing, nothing like that. But but I was just I was just like, okay. like I was just like yelling it out like, ah! like that was like yelling out home in Spanish the way we're yelling out right that they describe it. But I was I was nuts. Uh, I I was I went nuts during that during that that eighth inning and then we won like. I was, I was pumped for that. That that win was like, why I felt I felt exhausted after that first game, and I said, after I get home, it's get ready for another one. Eat eat, eat, eat some dinner, get home, whip up some dinner, sit back, grab a beer, and watch watch the second game of this doubleheader. And another one that was like a that was like sort of like a nail biter. Like, oh, here we go again. Else that then yeah. then then like when door hits his home run to tie the game and I was like going nuts and then and then late in the game like that the late in the game like we went on that on, on that on that sack fly we 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 went we win a game we sweep the series I I just went nuts like I cannot tell you what that uh, yeah. with that whole series that series just I was drained from that game. Like somehow I and then somehow I managed to get Monday. Like you know, with just rolling the load of brown truck. Yeah, well, I mean, all six of those interleague games between the Rays and uh, the Cleveland, whatever you want to call them, Guardians. Now, I guess uh, they, um, you know, all six of those games were were nail biters. I mean, we start off that that tough game they lost. Uh, the, the first game to the Rays, but then you fight back that game eight seven to Tampa Bay. The, the Mets had two three run home runs in the uh, the final couple of innings, and you got to remember too, it was all started by an opposite field Brett Beatty home run uh, that preluded everything, and then uh, you know an- another three run shot. You had the the Alonso walk off three run shot that was incredible. Then the next night they really gutted that out a three two win. A good start by McGill, unlike last night where he got rocked by the uh, Cubs, which is annoying. Um, but, yeah, they, they gutted that one out. And then, man, a game that looked like it was not going their way on Friday night, they end up winning 10-9. to uh, Just shocking. Then the game you were talking about, the one that you were at on, on Sunday afternoon, everything going wrong. And you know what? The, the thing I like about – um, Sunday's wins is what we got out of our veterans, right? You have yeah. all high-priced veterans that that we're talking about. Um, Max Scherzer dominating game one. Justin Verlander dominating game two. But then also in game one, one thing I really like to see out of two vets that we got on this team, Starlin Marte and David Robertson. Both of them got knocked down. Uh, Starlin Marte got picked off twice in that game. Twice. How did he get picked off twice? Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Then you had, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, David Robertson give up the home run in the top of the inning. But they both come back and dig themselves out of that hole. Marte hits the home run. Robertson comes out. Boom, boom, boom. Finishes the game off. And that's another Met victory. So you got to love what we're seeing from 
these vets that we've brought in over the last year or two, right, Dan? Yeah, I am. I am. I'm loving this so far. Also, I have to say, also, I pointed out some little, uh, I guess maybe bloopers or maybe little, little un- un- unexpected things, kind of like maybe clubs or something during it. For one thing, during that during the course of that game that Pete hit that 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 walk off against Tampa, you you hear him a coach obviously say, "Let let's fucking go Mets." You hear him say that in an interview. Uh, I actually caught it. I, I somehow hit rewinded on my DVR and uh and, vid- and as I remember as I texted, I sent you the video of it. I hit rewind and I took my phone and filmed it off. You know, in front, put you know, put my phone camera in front of the TV to get to get that to get that footage so I could show people outside the New York area. Maybe they get to see it on there. Maybe because the SNYC probably cuts off on the MLB.tv app, so they could see see that that he actually that the little clip for that interview. Also, during Sunday's game, I kind of noticed uh, Howie Rose. He was had been numerous times. He was referring to the Guardians that he by their old name, the Indians, many times. Like, and, and I also thought it was funny that, of course, also during the second game, he did the 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 obvious the the game. The, there were the pitcher was the Shane Beaver, the pitcher on the Guardians. I put, I noticed that he was saying. Uh, he was he was calling he was calling him uh, Justin Beaver numerous times throughout the whole game. <laughs> yeah, Howie's trying to shake off that rust right now, but he's gonna get back into the uh, swing of thing, and he'll be uh, you know uh, back in uh, playing shape if you want to say that uh, within a couple of weeks. He hasn't been doing you know a lot of the games the Mets have been uh, doing so far this year, and um, especially when when they're on the road, so. You know, I guess how this is kind of like spring training still for Howie, so you know we'll give him a break because yeah. he still is the yeah, best. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Not that I'm anything off of you, Howie. All right. Well, by the way, Howie Rose, if you're watching this, you're welcome on that team of the house. We're just we're just joking <laughs> about what we we're just joking about what we heard. All right. It's it's kind of natural to point out little live live TV bloopers. Oh yeah, and especially and it's understandable for you to point it out too for a guy like Howie Rose who's always on the money. You know. Howie usually doesn't get things like that wrong. He's he pays attention to every little detail, so it's it, it's definitely understandable why you point that out. <laughs> plus, plus that I'll let it slide because I've accidentally called Shane Beaver Justin Beaver by accident. And I think everybody has at this point. You're right, especially when he's facing Justin Verlander. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I've done. I think Biggie Ball actually done that. But but anyway, <laughs> that I I do have to say so far that the guy that's like. His, Howie Rose's new broadcast partner, who's been, who's been, who actually fills in for Howie also when Howie, Howie no longer away game trips like he to the West Coast and stuff. That when he then Howie isn't there, he's rad. He's doing an amazing job. I, this guy, I remember, I remember he, up 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 until this year, he was he was calling the minor league games for the Brooklyn Cyclones. And doing, and yeah. I, I have to say, he's doing a great job. So it, this voice is a voice I'm no stranger to because I've I've heard him at times from the from the Brooklyn Cyclones broadcast. So I know I know pretty much a I'm, I'm familiar with the voice. The voice I'm familiar with. Yeah, so and, like, and a, like definitely a, a and definitely a great job by uh, K 
Keith Rad. But, uh, you know, hey, Dan, I want to ask you so far, um, from what we've seen, you know, the Mets, I think me and you both were talking about it last week before we really started to see this recent turnaround for the Mets. How, you know, these kids, guys like Beatty, Vientos, Alvarez, you know, I feel like they have really injected this team with some life and enthusiasm and athleticism. Uh, you know, what do you think, Dan? Do you think that a, a part of the reason of the recent success is because of these kids being around? Exactly. And I think Buck needs to have them in the lineup more often. All right. I agree. Enough, Even enough tonight, enough. you know, I if, if if you had to choose tonight, because because you mentioned that, Dan, I see Vogelback is in the DH spot against the righty, which, okay, you know, I can understand that. But if you were making the call tonight, would you have put Vientos in that DH spot? Yeah, exactly. I just feel this guy, you're wasting a player's doing this guy's ability, having him on the bench way too much. And I agree. He, the, the reason he got to where he, 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 to the point that he was called up, he was getting those at bats. He eventually got, 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 once he got going, that was it. He was the hot hitter. And yeah. that's the only way we're going to get that here is if he's getting that once he's got going, getting those at bats, we will, we could have a monster of a player. And then it's like I hear all the things on Twitter. I mean, let's face it, let the kids play. These guys, there's yeah. nothing to lose, right? I, I, I just, I get nervous when I see Vogel back in the lineup when he's at bat. I says, just please don't strike out. I cannot <laughs> tell you how many times he, he's at bat. It led to a moment where, and I mean, we, we base runners on base like that. I yelled out. Usually, you're the, the the classic movie line from the Sandlot. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true, man. And you know, Vogelback. The thing with Vogelback too is we know exactly what we have in Daniel Vogelback. You know, he's a decent player. He's a nice bench guy, in my opinion. He could come out. He could draw a walk. He's not going to really. Although he looks like he should hit for a little power. He really hasn't shown much power in his, you know, almost full year as a Met now. Um, but we don't know what we really have in Mark Vientos. You know, Vientos was on pace to hit 46 home runs in AAA. I mean, if you get a guy that can can get on a pace to anything close to that, I mean, it, really, even anything over 20 home runs would, would be a, a big plus for the Mets out of their DH spot. Um, I, I think it's worth taking a couple of weeks and just letting Vientos go out there and play every day and see what we got in him, right? Exactly. Go ahead, see what we got. He's got nothing to lose. Plus, I have a feeling this guy is going to be getting some big hits the more he plays. His bat yeah. just looks quick enough. Like you, can, I, you can just tell sometimes that this guy can get a hit at any moment with how quick that bat is. He's just just something you see with your own eyes. Dan, you're absolutely right. And and last year, it wasn't like that, right? It It's changed over this offseason, right? All for, for all three of those guys. Yeah, yeah it, it, exactly. Because I feel like this time these guys got called up at the right time. If you remember last year, yep. I think it, it was kind of a it was kind of a question mark when they called them up, right? 
they, they, they maybe should have called him up maybe July or August, and they called him up in September, like a week left into the season, you call up these guys? Yeah, it, it was almost like a last resort, them. right? Yeah, 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 exactly. The way they called them up, they just they just had to get, get at bats in early in the season. So when it gets, I feel like that's like a that's like a difficult time to really adjust the plane in the for minor leaguer to get called up and adjust the plane in the in the, in the majors that that late in the season when everything just gets that the intensity level is just that much tougher. And the pressure is that much, much, hot, much higher. That is just really, really. That's the most difficult point to really slow things down. Like by that time, you have to be up on your agent. Absolutely, man. You're absolutely right. And you know, I I think you hit the nail on the head saying that the Mets called them up at the right time right now. And it's funny too because last year they kind of did it as a last as a last ditch effort just to see if they could get anything out of these guys. Um, but this year, they were kind of forced. You know, Brett Beatty, the, the Mets didn't want to call him up. Eduardo Escobar's uh, inability to contribute offensively really was the catalyst for bringing Beatty up. So they were forced to bring him up. They were forced to bring up um, uh, Francisco Alvarez, because of the Omar Narvaez injury. And also they were really forced to bring Vientos up because he was just killing it at AAA and the Mets weren't getting anything from their DH spot. But the one thing I want to ask you, Dan, is right now there's a lot of talk with the around this Mets team and the, the reporters who are covering them that right now Neat, uh, Tomas Nito and Omar Narvaez, both Met catchers who are currently on the injured list, are starting their rehab assignments. So they're going to, in the next week or so, one, at least one, or maybe even both of these guys, are going to be not going to come back on the Major League roster. Um, and there is actually talk of sending Francisco Alvarez down. Now, I think that would be a complete mistake. What, what do you think, Dan? I think that would be a complete mistake. I think it should work. I think that's a I will riot moment. Not that I would riot, <laughs> but I would feel like that for sure. Like the yeah. social media would just be Billy Epler would have to be off his rocker if he does if he makes that mistake. He better not make that mistake, I can tell you that. I mean, let's be honest, Dan. If they did that it would be a Wilpon Mets move, right? It, it it really would. Yeah, it would be a Wilpon move. It's, I I just feel it was a miracle in 2009 that Pete Alonso was able to get that chance to play. Because I remember hearing oh, 2019. Yeah, mark, you're right. There was question mark he was going to be there. He was going to start the season in AAA, whatever. If, mm -hmm. they, if they operated like that, I don't think he would have ever got a chance. But he, he somehow by luck, they realized what they were seeing and then in, in, in spring the modeling the previous year and in spring training he just he really forced his hand and they realized they had to bring they somehow thought they had to bring up the best team they could possibly put on the field and it, it was like just pretty much they thought luckily they thought right there in front of their face 
what they have right there in front of them, and he's become one of the elite hitters in baseball. And is that's and true. Currently, fast forward to this home run. You're right. You're right. And he he is like you said. He's leading the league in home runs right now. He's been great ever since he came into the league as a Met. And uh, you know the the Mets have have uh, loved him having in the lineup ever since then. Now, you know, they're looking at a situation where I think Brett Beatty's pretty safe, but the fact that they're even considering sending Alvarez down uh, is not good to me. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but I hate the fact they were even considering it. And one of the main reasons why I don't think it was happened, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, one of the main reasons why I don't think it will happen is because one of the beat reporters, uh, I forget which one, I want to say maybe Tim Healy was reporting on this earlier today saying that when words started to get around that the Mets were considering their options with the catcher and there was a possibility that Alvarez might go down that a veteran pitcher who they did not specify, but I personally believe it was Max Scherzer said anonymously that a lot of players in the uh, clubhouse would be very angry if Alvarez got sent down. So I think that's a, a a message from the veterans on this team saying that we want these kids up here. We don't want them to go away. And I, I think they feel that energy, right? Yeah, exactly. I I just see I just feel it's very likely Sanchez is getting released, I feel like. I just feel like it's inevitable. The guy cannot catch for shit. He's been and that the guy can't hit for shit. He, he can't catch for shit. I'm seeing everything, every Yankee fan I know complained about him. Yep. He's terrible defensively. And with the pitching staff the Mets have, you need to have good athletic catchers back there. And Gary Sanchez just does not fit that mold. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm more comfortable with Alvarez being the primary catcher. Maybe you have Navaya. Is there a Thomas Nito as the backup? Yeah, I I would like you know honestly I'm I'm a big fan of Nito. I know Nito has kind of become you know somewhat of the fan base's punching bag over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, a lot of fans are are not enthralled with his offensive skills, but he is a good defensive catcher. He is a well liked guy. He calls a good game, and he does have a knack for getting a big hit every once in a while. So I, I'm not as against Nito as a lot of other Met fans are, but I also think that if we're going to go with two catchers, it should probably be Francisco Alvarez and Omar Narvaez, right? I mean, Dan, if you had to choose between the two right now, and I know we don't really know much about Narvaez because he's only been here for a short while, but if you had to choose the, the backup to Alvarez, would would you want Narvaez or would you want Tomas Nito? I feel I feel like Narvaez might be a decent backup. Also, I would also suggest this. Hot hitting streak. And uh, back back in the day, before, when the DH wasn't a thing in the NL, when we had like. A player like Mike Piazza, who was the, the guy who who was able to hit, he had he had to he had to have an off day, 
you have to give him an off day a lot of times, day games after a night game. We have the DH now. We you could easily DH Alvarez at DH. Yep. On the on the day yeah, you could you could DH Saturday. Alvarez and, and stick Narvaez in there too. You know that is one of the reasons why I do like Narvaez too is that he's a left-handed bat that you can kind of put him in there in the bottom of the lineup and shake things up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I I feel that's the direction to go. I feel like. Narvaez is going to get called up. Sanchez is going to be released. Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, you you were uh, telling me last night, actually, when we were texting during the game uh, about your dislike of the Mets uh, acquiring these Yankee uh, reject players. And I totally agree with you. And I think that uh, that Gary Sanchez definitely fits that bill, right? Yeah, I and speaking of that, if, if, if players that I feel like maybe that a former Yankees had a place in the Mets, I, I'm going to say one of the few that ever worked out in Mets history, it would be probably be Curtis Granderson. That's a, that's a good one, man. Yeah, I was a big fan of Curtis Granderson. He was a big part of that 2015 and 2016 uh, Mets team. So, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Got to love Grandy, man. He was great here. Yeah, and I just feel like he got so many big hits, and he it, did. Just he just seemed to be a vital part of that team, just as a teammate. And he, the, the, there was there was just so many clutch moments with Granderson. Plus, I have yeah. to say, Granderson is one of the nicest baseball players I've met. And I, I got I got him to sign a baseball when I saw the Mets on the road time because I how close I was sitting, so I was able to, well, during D.C., I got him to sign a baseball. Also, he kind of gave a little nod to me when he, when he homered to try the game, because I'm holding, I'm, I'm somehow end up with these seats that probably cost a lot less than they do in New York, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting there when, when the Mets tied the game, and I'm holding this giant Mets flag, and he gives a nod to me, and my mom <laughs> saw it on TV, and I noticed it on TV when, uh, I watched the the the, broad, the broadcast of the game. I I, I cool. the game, so I, so I took I took a look at it and I noticed it. That yeah, <laughs> even me there. He saw he saw that he saw that he saw that Mets flag. So that was I, I, I was pretty cool the way he acknowledged he acknowledged that he, the way he saw a visiting fan. He saw a Mets fan in the stands and he uh, he, he acknowledged he acknowledged it. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, also. In 2016, when the Mets punched that wild card spot, that playoff spot in Philadelphia, I went. I made the trip up there along with a lot of Mets fans. I made it a two-hour trip from New York. I dragged. I hopped on a bus and went out there to that game. I came back. Came back home the same day. There was a lot of Mets fans, especially we're sitting, you know, sitting right behind the visiting dugout. He high five all the Met, those Mets fans that were in the stands. <laughs> very cool very cool well you know everybody loves the grandy man man he was the best and uh you know he was a he was a former uh you know former yankee he was a met at that time now let's talk real quick about a uh guy that's a current yankee and probably won't be a met considering he just signed a 10-year deal with the uh, Yankees, but with Stevie Cohen in charge, you never know. 
as the uh, Yankees right now. They're starting to roll. Uh, you know, our Mets have gotten on a uh, on a bit of a roll lately too. The Yankees are on a roll. They've won five in a row. They rallied last night behind a judge home run in the ninth to tie it. One in an extra inning, six to five. They beat the Orioles, who you got to give uh, props to the Orioles, man. The Orioles have been a damn good team this year, 31 and 17. One of the real uh, under the radar stories, really, because of how good the Rays have started off. But, um, you know, what do you think of the Orioles so far this year? Dan, do you, do you think that's a team that has a chance to make the playoffs? I think the Orioles look like a tough team night. I think the Yankees are really going to have a tough time. I think it's, I feel like that team where the pitching is going to be their big Achilles heel. And, yeah. And right and right now, and somehow by luck, well, I don't know by luck. I mean, when the judge came back from that injury strong, I mean, he's, he's hitting like you expect him to. But aside from that, I don't really see team I feel like. They seem like more human than I've seen any Yankee team in the past. Who, the Yankees? They actually have, yeah, like they seem more human than I've seen the Yankees ever. I meant they're slow mm-hmm. start. They're, they're, they look like they're playing catch-up. <laughs> and Tampa's winning on an insanely pace. See, the thing is, though, man, Tampa's coming back down to earth now. They're, they're still, you know, far and away the best team in the majors but they're starting to look a little bit more um beatable lately um even before that met series there was a couple of cracks in the armor but uh you know you you just kind of thought that the rays would figure it out but you know they uh they've sputtered a little bit they're starting to look more human and i don't know man i i disagree this yankee team i i think the yankees are just getting started right now I think they're just starting to hit their prime. And I'm telling you, man, it's only going to get more scary for the teams that have to face the Yankees, that is. Uh, once Carlos Radon, you know, works his stuff out. If he's back by the All-Star break and the Yankees add that arm to that rotation, man, that is going to be one dangerous team in the second half. Because, you know, we all know the Yankee lineup might not be what it used to be. But they can still mash, especially when Judge is going and Rizzo is having a good year this year, you know, uh, as Dan dropped off there. But we'll we'll get him back on in a sec. But, you know, uh, Rizzo hitting over 300. This is a guy that's been down in the 220s and the 230s the last couple of years. Um, You know, not to mention the fact that, uh, like we were saying, that they still have not even had a $160 million pitcher added to that um, team, you know, Dan. So that that is one thing that, that I will stress is that I do think that once the Yankees add Carlos Verdon back to that rotation, that this team is going to be primed and ready for even a bigger run than they have right now. And they've won 8 out of 10 now. Yeah, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Like, I feel that this year that the – the only the, the one thing that the Yankees have working against them, if they face a team with tough pitching, then that's going to be the biggest competition. And well, that right now, that American Yankees, League East is so deep. Yeah, exactly. That they're not going to. I don't think the Yankees are going to run away with it. 
It's going to be down to the last. It could come down to the last weekend of the season for the Yankees. Oh, it's going to be a fight. I totally agree with that. And to be honest, I don't even know if the Yankees are going to win the division. You know, when when we did our uh, playoff predictions before the year, I picked Tampa Bay to win the division, and it's that, that that still would not surprise me if the Rays held on and won this division. But to be honest, I think a Yankees team that's flying under the radar a little bit because everybody is focused on you know the the upstart Orioles and the uh, the surging Rays who have you know off to one of the best starts in years. I think a under the radar Yankee team could be even more dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, it's a bit scary. Of course, also that Yankees aren't a lock to, to win the division, and for all of the purpose, I almost think it's almost pretty much definite that they're going to be end up having a play in a wild card round. Yeah, I I, I can see that. And you know what? As we saw last year, man, I mean, obviously it didn't work out for our Mets. But if you're playing well going into that, or even if you're not and you just straighten yourself out at the right time, you could go on a run. Look at the Phillies last year. You know, the Phillies came out, went on a run. Look at the Padres even. The Padres went on a run to the NLCS and got cut down by the Phillies. But look at the run they had before that. They knocked off a 100-win Met team. They knocked off a 111-win Dodger team. And, you know, they uh, just kind of ran into a uh, even hotter Phillies team. So uh, it it really just at this point, you know, even with the Mets, I don't I would love to win the division and beat the Braves this year. But as long as the Mets are in the playoffs, I'm not going to complain. I think it's the same thing for the Yankees, man. As long as the Yankees, you know, OK, if the Rays win 97 and the Yankees win 94, and both teams are in the playoffs, and that, that that's all that matters. Sure, the Rays might get that first-round bye, but you know they're not even guaranteed a first-round bye if you win the East. If the Astros win 105 games again or whatever and, and take that division, they're going to have that first-round bye anyway, and you're still going to be playing in the first round. So you know what I mean? Like I feel like winning the division, although it's important, is still not as important as it used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I just feel like the Mets could just barely sneak in the playoffs, and they could just have a monster playoff. And, well, you know, they, what what we saw maybe the first month or so in the season wouldn't matter, and the end could be uh, – there could be a New York Daily News hang, hanging on my wall in a frame – with a championship headline on it, something that I have been waiting for a long time to be able to say. Like, I have a spot on my wall ready to frame this copy of the Daily News. <laughs> if, and, and, that could, and that could go for both the New York teams, too. Because, you know, let's just say, obviously we're talking about the Yankees here, where they started off, you know, remember just a couple of weeks ago, how long ago was it? two maybe three shows ago that we were talking about oh the Mets and the Yankees they can't get out of their own way they're they're both crapping out oh Garrett Cole can't you know he can't do this oh man Max Scherzer can't stay healthy Justin Verlander's hurt what are the Yankees gonna do without Rodone there are all these questions 
And now we're about, what, seven weeks or so into the season, and everything is starting to come together. The Yankees are looking like that well-oiled machine that we know. The Mets are starting to get back on track. And, uh, you know, hey, with, with, the, uh, with the Mets, they go out to Colorado this weekend now after uh, this series with the uh, um, Cubbies is finished up on Thursday. And the Yankees, they're going to be um, playing the uh, San Diego Padres at Yankee Stadium. So it's going to be a rematch of the 98 World Series. So, you know, the Mets were playing a little interleague ball last weekend. The Yankees are going to be playing a little interleague ball this weekend. So it'll be really interesting, too, to see the Yankees go up against this Padres team where, you know, they're going to be facing, you know, a, uh, you know, we don't really know the uh, pitching matchups yet. I guess you could kind of figure it out, but um, you know the Yankees are going to be seeing that 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 team that knocked the Mets out last year with uh, guys like you know Juan Soto and Manny Machado and Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell and all that that, that talent that that San Diego team uh, lines up. So that's going to be a pretty uh, a pretty interesting series to see, right, Dan? Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna be. That's gonna be a little interesting. Also, I have, I I have to say you know, the, the the possibility of a subway series. I mean, of course, of course, hopefully the Mets win it, but not always something I want to see because I know it's just gonna mean more. The tickets will be more expensive if both New York oh, teams yeah. are in the series. That that I'm, I'm sorry, Yankee fans, but. It's just a Mets fan. When my team finally rarely win a World Series and we're in a World Series, I want to be able to afford the ticket. Well, and not only that, too, you're right, because you want to be able to afford the ticket, and the Yankees not being it would, would definitely make it a little cheaper. But also that, too, as as fun as it was to see that Subway Series 23 years ago, and as fun as it would be, especially if the Mets beat them, you want to have the city to yourself. You know what I mean? You want this to be a full Mets city, not half Mets, half Yankees, right? Yeah, exactly. And I hate that divided crowd. I, I hated that divided crowd thing. Yeah, I just hated that. I I hated that. It's just it just does better when they when when we're when we're when CCM got like it's rocking. It's, it's pretty much a Mets crowd. That's yeah, the, yeah, you know, also, it hurt even more losing to the Yankees because yeah. I had to be, it, it was like rubbing my face by the, the fact that that that's another team that that's in the same city. Um, I had to deal with Yankee fans rubbing it in my face, so that wasn't fun. Oh, yeah, yep, I, yep, I was in eighth grade at the time, so. Definitely dealt with a lot of shit from Yankee fan friends during that time. Um, and, yeah, and so, plus, uh, yeah. And plus the other thing, it disgusted me seeing the Yankees celebrate on our field. Yeah, Joe Torre wiping tears out of his eyes, walking out of the Shea Stadium visitor's dugout, will always be a disgusting sight that I'll never get over. Uh, almost as bad as Piazza connecting on that Mariano Rivera pitch driving it to dead center, thinking it's going out, only to see Bernie Williams slow down underneath it and catch it. So, yeah, I'll never uh, get over that shit. 
no doubt about that, man. Yeah, and uh, also but, the last couple of playoff series, I'm sick of opposing teams celebrating a playoff series victory on our field. You've seen it too many times the last couple of times, all right? You saw it there. We saw it. The 2015, the Royals celebrate on our field. 2000, I mean, 2006, remember it say We saw the Cardinals celebrate on our Cardinals, field. Yeah. That disgusted me. Also, uh, 2016, that wild card round, San Francisco celebrated on our yeah. field. And then San Diego, most recent, on our field. I want for yeah. once to have us celebrating in our field. Yeah, the last time the Mets lost a playoff series on the road was 1999 against Atlanta in game six there, which they should have won. But thank you, Kenny fucking Rogers, for uh, walking Andrew Jones with the bases loaded. Uh, yeah, I'll never get over that one either. I, I, also, I, I, uh, flying under the radar on the bl- uh, on the blame scale there, though, is John Franco and Armando Benitez. Moments in a playoff that that one that NLCS 1999. I nearly, I may have nearly destroyed my TV. Like I just turned <laughs> off my TV angrily. Yeah, like, oh, I that, that, I can't even like, think like, of like, that. I, I, I may have flung, I may have flung the remote. I was like, I, I was upset. I was upset. Yeah, to say the least. Um, let's move on because I can't just think about that that series anymore. Send shivers up my spine. Let's send. Let's talk about a uh, playoff series ending for a guy that we're happy that he got knocked out. Dan, me and you were talking about this the other night too. You were very happy that LeBron and his Los Angeles Lakers were eliminated by the number one seed Denver Nuggets going to the NBA final for the first time. Uh, so take it away, Dan. You you must have been very thrilled to see LeBron go down like that, right? <laughs> Oh my God, that makes me happy to see LeBron James lose. I have not gotten over the way my reaction that day, that shit show, that decision. Remember that? Every Knicks fan in the entire city was watching that one. I was furious. Like I, I cannot 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 tell you what what that what that was like. Like. I, I was like, I was booing the TV. Him going to the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat, come on. We could have gotten that super team. He could have gotten you that super team here in New York. And I I don't know. If I, I, I remember last week I told you about that whole pitch video that apparently the Knicks did. They got, they, they got James Gain to feed the reprice and playing the banner role to get and to somehow talk LeBron James into signing with the Knicks. And mm-hmm. I, in my own head, I imagine with that video, like Tony Soprano saying, "Come on, what, what's the matter with you?" Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that good at doing this Tony Soprano bird impression of Andy Kumi could, but difficult. It's not a difficult situation, LeBron. So. <laughs> a very difficult situation. Yeah, 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 I'm, like, I'm I, not I, good at it either. Yeah, yeah, like I, I imagine, I imagine that 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 what that's probably what the video was like, and he turned it down, and it hurt even more seeing the Miami Heat win all those championships. Like that could have been us. I think yep. LeBron, this could have been us. We could have been well, celebrating. We would have been singing your praises 
as you were going down to Canyon Hero, but you had to go to Miami. You son of a bitch. Yep. He had to take the easy way out, right? <laughs> go down there with D Wade yeah. in an already made situation. <clears throat> but you know, Dan. Actually, speaking of this whole situation, because obviously the Knicks ended up not getting LeBron from that, and they pivoted and came away with Carmelo Anthony. Now, Carmelo just announced his retirement, even though he's kind of been out of ball all year. And there has actually been talk about retiring Carmelo Anthony's number seven at Madison Square Garden. I personally am not a Carmelo hater, but I don't think Carmelo's number should be retired at the Garden for a guy that won one playoff series in whatever he was here, seven or eight years. That's not worthy of retiring his number, in my opinion. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. He was a decent player, but he really never won any playoff series. Like, only once did he win a playoff series. And yeah, it was, it was like the Knicks was vulnerable going into those playoff series, I remember, every time. Yeah, Except you're right. I mean, what they... And we, 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 got, we got bounced in the second round. And, and it, it was just a letdown, I feel like, focus for my William Anthony when we had him. It was like, yeah, it, was they, like they the, were... the, it felt like, remember, like I said about the whole LeBron James situation, it was like the second best, like the consolation prize. And sometimes that doesn't always work. Though, when you get second best. Yeah, it's true. And look, even though, like, I don't know, I would consider Am- Amare Stodmeyer the consolation prize more than Carmelo. Because I think Carmelo is coming here no matter what, even if they did end up landing LeBron, which would have been crazy, by the way. Uh, obviously, that didn't end up happening. But look, and I, like I said, I got nothing against Carmelo. I, I was a big fan of Carmelo when I was when he was here. I have a Carmelo Anthony jersey. Um, I I like the guy. He went to Syracuse. This is a guy that has, you know, uh, New York lineage. He wanted, uh, you know, another reason why I like Carmelo Anthony is because unlike Kevin Durant, unlike Kyrie Irving, unlike LeBron James, unlike all these big names the Knicks tried to lure here and didn't come, Carmelo Anthony wanted to be here. He wanted to be in Madison Square Garden. So I like Carmelo Anthony. I'll always have love for Carmelo Anthony. And his image defines an era of Nick basketball. Unfortunately, that era kind of stunk. And as much as I like Carmelo, I don't see any reason that number seven should be hanging in the in the rafters, right? Yeah, I just don't see it. I see like it's just we never really felt like we had a chance to win during that time. It felt like. Yeah, like it, yeah, it it's true. It, it wasn't enough for us to get one guy. We needed more than one. That time we needed more than one star to want to actually want to come here, and that was always a challenge. And for a long time, with the Knicks, and yeah, I just hope that 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 changes quickly. Yeah, man, it's true. I mean, if if you're gonna look at uh, guys that, that we've brought into Madison Square Garden. I mean, Artemi Panarin, honestly, and I still wouldn't retire his number either. 
But Artemi Panarin, I feel like, has done more in a Ranger uniform to warrant getting his number retired than Carmelo Anthony. And I'm still mad at Panarin for crapping out in this year's playoffs. But at least Panarin was part of a Rangers team that went on a run to the conference final, and they were just two wins away from going to the Stanley Cup. You know, like Carmelo was never anything like that. He never even took the Knicks to the Eastern Conference final. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Did the best he had knocked down, knocked down the second round. Talk about disappointment. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I, I was in a bar watching that series, and I was like in shock. Like, yeah, I, everybody I expected the Knicks. You know, everybody thought the Knicks were going to beat the Pacers in that series, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I was, I was like disgusted. Yeah, and, and you know we're talking about the Knicks and everything. Obviously, the Knicks lost to uh, the Heat in uh, six, and the Heat made quick work of the Celtics early on. It was a th- they won the first three to take a commanding 3-0 lead. Now the Celtics were able to avoid the sweep last night and uh, force a game five in Boston. But Dan, what do you think, man? I mean, it's crazy the way that this series has unfolded. It looks like Miami still has a really good shot of getting to the uh, the NBA final. But, but what do you think about it, Dan? Do you still have uh, confidence? Do you think that the Heat are going to the, the final? Or would you not count the Celtics out yet? I really feel like the Celtics have shown life that I cannot discount them. I mean, we've seen weirder things happen in the, in the playoff basketball, playoff hockey, playoff baseball. We've seen... We've seen weirder things happen, and I would be shocked if the Celtics didn't at least get this series to a game six. I just have that vibe that at least the game six is is, is, a, is a realistic possibility. It, it would be cool if you're right, just because uh, obviously uh, in the NBA, at least, we don't have anything else going on on the other side as the uh, – um, nuggets put the lakers to sleep but yeah i i kind of feel like miami is gonna win game five but it would be great to see the celtics pull this one out um i personally thought with the way i heard their coach talking with with the way i heard a bunch of their players talking it seemed like the celtics were ready to pack up and start the offseason after game three so uh you really have to give credit to the coaching staff and the players in boston for, you know, not letting the season crap out on them right there. They fought. They took it back to Boston. So, you know, you're going to have you, – now after you win that, okay, being down 3-1 sucks. We've seen this before, you know, but what this is what happens. Now you have to focus game to game to game. The Celtics come into game five. They know if we win this game, then – Obviously, we go to uh, to uh, Miami, but it and then it just starts. I even saw you know Charles Barkley talking about it last night, where two quarters before Charles Barkley was saying that the Celtics were dead and buried. Then he's saying uh, after the game with the Celtics won, he's talking about how Miami better worry because it's going to be in Game Seven. So it's just funny how quickly these things can turn around and the momentum can shift from one team to the next. But you know. I think we even soaked the Knicks where we were kind of hoping the Knicks were going to steal back the momentum 
and Miami just has been able to throw a wall up every chance they could, right? So as much as I ex- I expect to see the Celtics put their best foot forward and have a good game in game, in game five, I, I still kind of feel like Miami's going to wrap it up. Yeah, that, that is that is a realistic possibility. And at the same time, I feel it's not going to be a walk in the park of the game, game six, game five. Oh, yeah. It's That's going to be one of those games. Yeah. It's going to go down to the last five minutes, which is going to be a typical basketball fashion, especially during the playoffs. Those last five minutes will feel like 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, even those last, you know, 30 seconds. Too, especially with the guys shooting free throws, because you know, especially in late close games like that, it always comes down to guys hitting their free throws and uh, driving to the net. So you just got to hope that uh, you know, if if you're a Boston fan, you got to hope that um, they that they believe in themselves because uh, you know I think they they kind of reignited that faith in in a, in a lot of people from a really really good performance there in Game Four. So definitely got to give it and, to and, the uh, Celtics. And I yeah. got to say to anyone who's a Heat or a Celtic fan, be prepared to potentially have to stay up late because <laughs> this game could easily go into overtime. Yeah. So be, be prepared. Anyone who's a Celtics or a Miami Heat fan, you're going to be you're right about that. <laughs> no doubt about that, everybody. So you got that right, Dan. Uh, be prepared for overtime. Now, looking on the other side uh, of not the conference over there, looking on the NHL side now, we have uh, definitely gotten used to a lot of crazy overtimes as the, uh, you know, throughout this NHL playoffs, we've seen a lot of uh, long, long playoff contests. Um, but right now, it looks like it's not going to be two long series going on here as both the Golden Knights and Panthers hold 3-0 series leads. Um, crazy game last night with Dallas where Jamie Benn was thrown out of the game two minutes in. Uh, the Golden Knights ended up putting up a three spot on them in the first period. Take that game. Uh, the Panthers, Sergei Bobrovsky has turned into, you know, <laughs> um, just the, the greatest game you ever, the, the greatest goaltender you ever want to see. He's like, Patrick Waugh from back in the day as he absolutely shut down the Carolina Hurricanes in a one nothing Panthers win to grab that 3-0 lead. Dan, what do you think right now? I mean, the Dallas Stars down 0-3 to the Golden Knights. The Carolina Hurricanes down 0-3. Do you think that we're going to see both those teams finish things up or do the teams that are down still have a chance and they're not quite out of it yet? It would be a shock if both series and don't end in a sweep because I feel like the Golden Knights look like they're getting, they're not playing, they're not looking too ahead of themselves. They're playing this, they're taking this one game at a time, and they they seem to have to have came up big in the in the right time. And the Panthers look like the same way. They're just. They're playing it one game at a time, and they're gonna and they're gonna they're gonna have have their head level. They're gonna they're they're having their head their heads are being are leveled, and they're uh, they're approaching that they're they they're approaching this game with a chance to win. The way you have to correct you, you have to approach a game like this. 
And I yeah. feel like these two unexpected teams, as I would have never predicted the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the, the Panthers, which um, I'm even shocked to even see that I even wonder if any of these Panthers fans are even been watching all year long. Cause it's like, <laughs> I, I kind of discount that Florida. I mean, there are people that were born in Florida that, that the Kings fans of the team because they, they, like they were born there. But it's like Florida is like a lot of people from uh, elsewhere. So yeah. Like, and let's be honest, I, you know, I was just at the Panthers uh, uh, arena about six or seven weeks ago. And they were, and even then, that was the end of the season. They were very much outnumbered by Rangers fans there. There was way more Rangers jerseys than Florida Panthers jerseys. So, uh, you know, we we might see a few of these Panthers fans are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I do have to give credit to the ones that have. I give credit to the ones that have actually did watch the team. That I give credit. To them, they somehow managed to the, 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 the actual fans, but I see a lot of bandwagon. I feel like, you know, yeah, yeah, and I feel so, like I feel like the same thing. I feel like the same thing with the Golden Knights. I mean, Las Vegas didn't really doesn't really have a history with professional sports. I just feel there's a lot of people that were fans elsewhere, or they just became a fan of a team elsewhere. That there's Las Vegas. Well, Vegas isn't really yeah. much of a history with special sports, so it shocks me that there's they're actually selling out the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Team the the Golden Knights, because they thought it was a silly name for a team from Las Vegas. <laughs> not not yeah. not the name I, I expected. Like I expected something like gambling, you know, some gambling thing like high rollers. I heard with the aces or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, actually, I, I would have no problem. I mean, we hear that the Oakland A's are moving to Las Vegas. I would have no problem with them renaming the team. I, I think they should stay the Athletics, though. I would be upset if they changed their name. Yeah, but at the same time, I will I will look at it as their 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 history is wiped clean, all right? Anything they've done yeah. in the past, that's in their old city. So as far as I see, yeah, but carry it with you though. I mean, the the Oakland days still trace their history back through Kansas City and Philadelphia. You know. Yeah, exactly. So I guess I guess I guess I guess I, I, guess I get kind of kind of look at that, but but yeah, that's gonna be that. But yeah, that is crazy <laughs> to think of that. That all of a sudden. Las Vegas getting special sports teams in every major sport. I just thought it was a yeah. miracle they got an NHL team. I never expected they're getting they got an NH they got an NFL franchise and they're getting MLB franchise. And well, isn't that the isn't both, and they're hosting yeah, I'm sorry. a Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the the craziest oh. thing to me about it too, Dan, is that you know you would think the league that would be there first would be the NBA. Cause you remember the NBA held their all-star game there all those years ago. And everybody was saying that there was going to be an NBA team from Las Vegas there. And now it could be as soon as next year, the, the NBA is the only team that doesn't have a team. 
in Vegas now. Yeah, that that would be that would be that would be shocking. But, but yeah, I always fig- I figured that the NBA would be the first team to have a have 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 a have a team in Las Vegas. Being that I definitely thought so. That they did they posted saying I seen that is unheard of. I've never yeah. heard of a city that a city that doesn't have a team in that league host an all star game. That's Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, so yeah, that that was pretty cool but when that, they did that oh, a few years ago. That that then again in the past, this is something which is something I'm about to say we'll probably never see again. But at one point, we were seeing Super Bowls in places that don't host an any NFL team. I mean, the, with the time the Giants won their first Super Bowl, the su- Super Bowl of uh, twenty-one, it was in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. A yeah. stadium that doesn't host an NFL franchise. That is Very something true. you will never, you will never see again. Yeah, you're right about that. You're definitely right about that, my friend. And uh, we're just about ready to get out of here. Uh, pretty much hit everything we wanted. I did want to touch on this real quick, just because we have to say something about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's been it's been a full week now, so we have to say something about Aaron Rodgers and. They're, they're talking the other day. They're trying to make a big deal about how Aaron Rodgers tweaked his calf at OTAs. I don't know if you saw anything about this, Dan, but it's not it's nothing major. Uh, he just did some weight training thing that hopefully they never decide to do again. Uh, and he, he kind of tweaked his calf a little bit, but it's not going to be an issue. You know, don't worry, Jet fans. It's not time to start panicking yet. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. I, I I feel like don't don't panic yet, Jet fans. Don't don't panic, all you Jet fans. All right. Don't. I'm like you you don't 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 put put down whatever you handle. Right. You do not need to. But no need to hurt yourself. No need to hurt yourself. Stay stay calm. Don't worry. Don't worry. Live. Don't worry. You got plenty to live for. Don't. <laughs> Put down all the sharp objects. Yeah, yeah, exact, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, and with that, now that we got our uh, that uh, weekly Aaron Rodgers update out of the way, I think that's just about going to do it for us this week, buddy. Uh, be- before we get out of here, do you have anything you like to plug? Sure, I got to plug my. Twitter handle Bobo103NYC, my YouTube account Daniel Curlin, Instagram Bobo718DK, and uh, that's really gonna plug. And uh, everyone, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and uh, for, for us, uh, do me a favor and follow me on Twitter at my last name KramerNY. You can follow the show on Twitter at BSith underscore podcast. And you can check us out on Instagram um, at Best Seat in the House podcast. Also, if you haven't done it yet, make sure to check us out on Rumble. Brand new uh, platform for us to uh, explore out there. So do us a favor. We're still trying to get the hang of things out there. We really don't have many subscribers yet. So if uh, you if you have a Rumble account, 
uh, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a like and a, and a subscription. So uh, also, thank you. If you think we've earned it, give us a five-star review on, uh, on Apple Podcasts and like and subscribe to our videos on our YouTube channel, Best Seat in the House Podcast. Everybody, thank you so much for all the support. For Daniel Bobo Curlin and myself, Robert Kramer, we'll catch you next week on Best Seat in the House Podcast. <laughs>